What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Hot. <gasps> we are socially constipated back here with another episode of Gridiron Grunts. Uh, we continue our preseason series this week. Uh, we're going to be getting close. to the AFC. Getting close, dude. Preseason football is starting, so mm-hmm. we're, we're getting there. Um, actually, I know that we're less than a month out from the season opener, which Ooh. is what, Bucks cowboys and that's on the 9th mm-hmm. Thursday of September, night. so... Thursday night. Oh, man. We are coming up soon. Uh, very stoked. We're going to talk AFC North today. Very interesting division. Uh, excited to jump into these teams, and there was a bunch of headlines. So we're going to get into it pretty quickly here. Before we do, I just want to remind folks to head over to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. There's a link over there in the description for this episode. Head out there, leave us a comment on this episode, leave us your takes. Don't forget, uh, you want to comment if you're going to be in our fantasy league. So uh, we're getting close to time where we need to really start getting that locked in. So let us know if you want to participate. Again, we'll be talking soon about some other games and things that we're planning for the season. Even besides just Gridiron Grunts, you can check out all the other shows, Entertainment Outhouse, Socially Constipated. You can see all of the social media profiles that we have. Uh, It's just a really good one-stop shop. You can join the mailing list as well to make sure that you don't miss out on any updates that we send. Don't forget to interact with all of our posts and things, and you just might win some stuff. Who knows? Once we get into the season, we might be trying to do some football-related giveaways. Typically, we give away movie tickets and Iron Sheik stuff, but uh, we'll have to figure out a way to get some football stuff out there for for those UNFL fans. So Today, though, we are diving right in. Big week for headlines as they continue to be. We're going to get into some big contracts and some dumbassery. <laughs> we have more than one story of dumbassery this week. Uh, so here we go. Let's get into the bathroom reading. Sitting on toilet. Sitting on toilet. Seth, there's a couple guys this week that we're going. <laughs> and people fucking listened. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Let's start with Josh Allen. This is This is insane. Josh Allen signs a new contract extension, and it's going to keep him in Buffalo potentially through the 2028 season. Massive deal. It's got $150 million guaranteed dollars. It's, it's a six-year extension, so he's got two years remaining on his rookie contract plus the six years. If you compare this to the Mahomes deal, I was reading an article a little bit ago, and it's actually potentially better mm-hmm. than the Mahomes deal. It's shorter so he's going to be younger when he comes out and goes into a new contract decision. It keeps his his cap hit relatively low, at least in the short term, and then it, it'll spike definitely down the road here. You can see $10 million is, cap, is his cap hit this year, 16 jumps up to $39 million in 2023, but then it's only 40 and 50 after that. And by that time, those aren't going to be the catastrophic cap, hit, cap hits that we see like Matt Ryan have right mm-hmm. now, like in, in just by the ratio. So... What do you get if you're Buffalo? You you lock in Josh Allen for long term. You don't have to worry about that shit anymore. You get him at today's prices and not next year. We've been talking all summer about potential prices going up for a lot of these guys. Wide receivers on one-year deals so they could take advantage of next year. Buffalo says, we like what we got. We want to pay today's prices and lock him in now. Seth, I guess for this, let's start from the Bills standpoint. Is this the move you would have made? I, there's obviously trade-offs here. It feels early. A lot of people looking at the golf yeah. deal, Jared Goff deal this week and going, I don't know, but you know, you're Buffalo, you lock down your guy long-term, you get a, you get potentially a deal that's going to look really attractive two years from now. Uh, when you look at this and you weigh pros and cons, are, are the Bills winners here? Was this, did you feel like this was the right, a smart move? This one's tough because I know Buffalo believes in Josh Allen. Um, mm-hmm. And last year, their belief, at least so far, seemed to you know, be proof positive. But if, if how he played last year is how he's played his entire career, then it's like, yeah, you deserve that money. But that's, I mean, like you said, it's a, I think it's a better deal. It's more guaranteed money, not, you know, by 3 million or whatever, but it's more guaranteed money than what Pat Mahomes is getting the most guaranteed money. Cause I think it's more guaranteed also than Dak as well. Yes. So most guaranteed money for a quarterback ever off of one year of AFC. Did they make to the AFC championship? They did. Yeah. So one year of play to get them to the AFC championship, it's it's really hard to, I, I think they probably did this for two reasons. One is because they believe in him, but also two, to show that they believe in him. And I think with a guy like Josh Allen, who at least so far, it seems that the comp, the confidence that he's gained has come from the team. And I think they're now putting the money behind that. He's rewarded their confidence with 
you know, success over the last couple of years. So maybe this is a risky investment to get, you know, Super Bowl level play out of Josh Allen. I don't know. But a signing that I would have a hard time putting my, my signature on a dotted line, dotted line for if I was the, the Bills because one year of excellent play, I don't know if that constitutes $150 million. I would totally agree with you. I was talking to a Bills fan today in my office, and he was saying that if you look at the numbers, a lot of the numbers, if you take out that Josh Allen can run, his passing numbers are not different from Jared Goff's, not measurably so, yeah. basically the same. And when you look at Goff as the the example of how this can go wrong, then I think it's easy to see this as my initial reaction to this was why? Why not wait? You yeah. know what I mean? They, nothing made them do this deal. He wasn't going to hold out. And then I was talking to this Bills fan and, and I started to uncover some of the reasons why. The first thing I already mentioned, the prices are going up for everyone next year. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you end up saving. The other thing was by locking down Josh Allen now, it builds confidence in the rest of the team too. Because if they believe in him and they know he's not going anywhere, you know, picture the Packers locker room all summer, not knowing whether or not Rogers is going to be there. Like these guys know Josh Allen's there. They've got their coach is tied to Allen. It was his pick. He is going to give him every opportunity to succeed. The same as it's true for the GM. The same is true for the fans. Also, the fans already are in. There's a a area of Buffalo that before him was called Allentown. And if you look at, areas there now every single sign that says allentown has josh in front of it like it's now josh (laughs) allentown and he's in his second year or your third year like i think it's also unique that this is buffalo we're talking about i think dallas doesn't need to make well dallas just showed us they didn't need to do that with Dak, and so they didn't but when you're buffalo and you draft a guy and he's working it it's potentially a negative thing to like it's like if you haven't been late in a really long time and like <laughs> someone someone and like a four starts paying attention to you, you're like, this four is amazing. I'm going to give her 160 <laughs> And that's the risk you run when you're a small market. That's, why, that's yeah. why a lot of guys get paid. I don't think this is it. I don't think this is that. But I think you need to justify it. I can think if you're Buffalo and you're trying to say this is a great deal for us, what you need to do is explain to me why Josh Allen's not a four. And <laughs> there's, there's certainly question marks, I think, but his trajectory right now and his growth is huge. I think a counterpoint to that is they didn't have fan, you didn't have to hear opposing defenses, the crowd noise, you know? Yeah. So for a guy who needed to catch up on the X's and O's of it all, he got an opportunity to do that. Now, yeah. did he learn it and he's good now? Or is he going to step back because he can't hear now? Who knows? And that's one of the reasons why, like, if it's me, I'm waiting because you got to see. I ultimately land on this is good for the Bills. Yeah. You lock the guy in, you tie him to the coach, you tie the GM to him. If he ends up falling apart, you get rid of them all. But we even saw like McVay was able to stick around after golf and they knew that was a failure. So did their GM, Les Snead, and Snead drafted him. Mm-hmm. So I, I like Allen. I, I think he will continue to be very good if he's, I don't know if he's going to be the best quarterback in the league for very long, but he'll continue to be very good. Yeah. Quarterbacks are getting more expensive. I end up liking this for Buffalo, but I totally understand all the reservations and agree that it had to have been difficult for whoever was the last person to move their hand on that signature. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a scary one for sure. That's a, Yeah, it's tough just because like you look at the, the you know two other highest paid quarterbacks prior with Dak and Mahomes. You know, Mahomes had, you know, he won him a Super Bowl and was an MVP and did it for two seasons of being like clearly the best guy. And they gave him, you know, a, a crazy contract, but no one batted an eye at it because it was like, oh, yeah, he, you know, he's the best. And mm-hmm. then Dak is, is another one, you know, before he got hurt, he had done a couple years of, of being a top five quarterback in the NFL and a guy who clearly was that team in terms of the offense. You know, we've, we've mentioned, we've rattled off a couple of the reasons why Josh Allen isn't maybe necessarily, you know, worthy of that contract. And I think this year will will prove it. I think the other factor here, though, too, is like, They've they've put some help around Josh Allen, like like Stephon Diggs, mm-hmm. and w- what would this contract look like without him? Like, what if he had had that? Is that's another thing with like the without the fan noise and things like that. How would that look without that? Like, what if he had a would he, would he have had a, as good of a season without Stephon Diggs? I would doubt it. You know, that's another thing that probably gave him confidence was having a receiver there like Stephon Diggs when his best receiver prior was like John Brown, who's fine, but he ain't he's not Stephon Diggs. He's not a top you know, five receiver. So maybe that's part of it too, is like, what, what does Josh Allen look like without some of the, the, the supporting cast? Cause I can tell you Patrick Mahomes, there's been times where he hasn't had all the supporting cast around and still has been awesome. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it's just, that's just, so, it's so hard. I think it also adjusts a little bit of the contract 
for future quarterbacks, such as I think Mahomes within a couple of years will probably get a new contract. Even though he, even though he has a 10 year contract, he's not the highest paid quarterback anymore in terms of the guaranteed money. And I think even per year average, well, maybe not. Cause I did know that they converted some of Patrick Mahomes, a lot of Patrick Mahomes contract into a signing bonus this last year too. I, mm-hmm. I just think that the, the quarterback market of contracts is now at such a crazy high market that, you might be right on, in terms of the, the Bills thing of, like, they probably got Josh Allen at a rate that there probably won't be another star quarterback who gets that type of contract. Again, it's probably going to be astronomically higher moving forward. So I think just in terms of the market, he might have maybe just reset it moving forward. Oh, it's huge. And, we, we, you know, we, we started looking at Buffalo's. It takes us five seconds to look at Josh Allen's perspective. Amazing. How yeah. could you have thought anything no, my- this good? Never. Mm-hmm. No matter what, you could you could break your leg tomorrow and never play a snap, and you'd have 150 million dollars still. You know, yeah. like his that's, agent. That's awesome. He needs to buy his agent a car and two houses because mm-hmm. whatever his agent did to get this shit done now with this structure, it's yeah. incredibly front loaded with his money too. Part of the Mahomes thing in order to help with the cap is they backloaded a bunch of the money, mm-hmm. and so he's going to get paid more in years eight to ten than he will the middle years. Allen is getting a lot of his money in the first five years. It's perfect situation for him. He might be, even including Mahomes, Josh Allen might be right now the quarterback in the best position in the entire football league. Mm-hmm. Like, the, he's got guys around him. He's got great coaching. He's got an organization that believes in him. As long as he can get a stadium built, there's not a better job right now than Josh Allen's yeah. job. And that's a really weird fucking thing to say. Um, <laughs> but you're right about how it changes the quarterback market. I saw a, a little quote from Baker Mayfield. Uh, they yeah, were asking him, what do, you, what do you think of Josh Allen's contract? And he was like, I think it's good. Good for Josh. Good for the position. And of course, it fucking Baker says that because he's next. He's got a chance. If Baker, we're going to talk about the Browns. What if they go twelve and five and make the AFC Championship game? He's how how can how can yeah how can you make an argument if you're Baker that I shouldn't get that money? Yeah, you can't. And the other guy, and this is the thing that is, and this is another thing that ties back to why this was a good call for the Bills. Lamar Jackson. Yep. Unless he unless he really fucks up or gets hurt, he's going to get so fucking paid by the Ravens. Mm -hmm. And because you talk about a guy who makes the whole team, like they have a good roster, don't get me wrong, but most people can't name a wide receiver on it. <laughs> right. And he is the entire offense. You know, you take him off and put RG3 in and they get beat by, you know, the Bengals. Another team that's, that has a young quarterback and is promising, and depending on what they do this year, Kyler Murray is going to get paid too. Kyler's in that area now, and he's what he's going in his third year, right? So he could get easily so. get paid. He could have the same treatment next year. All of those young quarterbacks yep. are absolutely licking their fucking chops. Yep. And it's going to happen next year when all the deals are higher. I think that is another reason why it was good for the Bills to get this done. Because if Lamar Jackson goes and gets paid first, then they have to they can't not pay Josh Allen at least as much. So they set the market. Yep. And they may have set it as as incredible as this deal looks for Allen, they set the market at a at an area they were okay with. And what do they say? Uh, one in the hand is worth two in the bush. Like they took what they knew and sure it was expensive, but it, but it was better than the possibly way more expensive alternatives. So yep. big time ripple effects, all these quarterback deals do, you know, we thought Dax was resetting the market and look where we're at what, four or five months later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good for Josh Allen. Love this guy. This guy getting paid is, is pretty cool. Regardless of whether or not it works out at 24 25 years old he just did everything he needs to do in his life he's done mm-hmm. <laughs> he's never gonna he's never gonna have an awful life now that's pretty funny <laughs> let's talk to a little bit less sexy well maybe not that much less sexy yeah uh, another huge contract indianapolis they extend darius leonard he's a linebacker he'll turn 26 this year and he signs a five-year contract Ninety-eight and a half million dollars is the total amount. Twenty million is a signing bonus. Fifty-two and a half million of yeah. this is guaranteed. That is insane for a linebacker. Yeah, for a linebacker, this is a, highest. This is a fucking con- good football player. What are you gonna say highest? Said, highest yeah, for an inside linebacker ever? Is that ever? Right? Yep. He got thirty-three million dollars today. His <laughs> his signing bonus and like two and uh, and some change years worth of salary he got today. Imagine mm-hmm. getting a deposit for thirty-three million dollars in your bank account. Couldn't, now couldn't Leonard imagine. absolutely no you yeah it, it would look it would look wrong <laughs> <laughs> he's only a couple years out of his draft three years in the league he's going into his fourth this is a team that wants to build around defense I it seems like yeah another deal that seems expensive maybe even borderline excessive but for a player like this on a team that wants to build around that player necessary cost what's your take on the the Leonard deal yeah they needed to do this because he hadn't been at camp 
to this point. And there wasn't like a holdout thing that his agent had talked about. And I actually think from what I've heard, he did an interview on McAfee the day after he, he this deal came out. His agent is, is a guy who is primarily an MMA guy. So he doesn't kind of play along the same rules or lines that NFL guys do. So like his holdout wasn't necessarily a, an old fashioned holdout, but he hadn't been at camp. And if he was not going to show up, and be with the Colts this year, that would be bad. <laughs> that defense would not be anywhere nearly near as good uh, as they have been. So it's good to get him back. That's huge. I mean, good for him. I mean, like you said, he's still young. And the Colts, even though it's a lot of money, like you said, it's getting in before next year or the year after when these, these caps go crazy. He'll probably negotiate again down the road like a lot of these guys will. But you know, good good for the Colts and good for the, for him. And the Colts are owning up to kind of what their thing is, is, is build guys and pay guys from within. You know, they do some trading here and there, a lot Carson Wentz, but especially that defense and, you know, some of the core positions like the offensive line, they tend to draft and pay. And so I think it's a, a good example that they're doing that and keeping that core defense going. Absolutely. I think both these deals are examples of not only getting a really good player and yeah, you drafted him. That also definitely helps, but it's like, the personality fit, like mm-hmm. the type of guy. And that we've seen that time and time again, Allen, Dak, Mahomes, even Matt Ryan in Atlanta. If you're as an, org- as an organization are like, that guy is what we are. Like that's that guy's personality is the Colts. And it seems like Leonard is one of those guys, even at a young age that they want to build around. And that's mm-hmm. super valuable. That's way more valuable. Why do you think Odell Beckham, what nobody has talked about Odell Beckham? Not a, have you seen a single article about who's trying <laughs> to trade for Odell Beckham? No. Right. Because nobody wants to bring him into the locker room, you know, unless you're Brady and you can bring in Antonio Brown, like get a guy that fits your fucking culture. Mm-hmm. Shit, Diggs, like Diggs was good in Minnesota, but like mm-hmm. I was skeptical of that move for the Bills because I was like, he's not that good. It's not like he's making crazy fucking Hopkins catches, but you put a guy like that in a place where he's happy and fits and Diggs had his best season by a long shot. Yep. So. You know, I, I love that these are the this is the way we're trending. I think it's awesome. I love it. One other contract that we talked about, a contract situation that we talked about that that got resolved this week and they're staying put, and that's Xavier and Howard came to an agreement on yeah. a restructured deal with the, the Dolphins. So again, good mood for good move for them, and it's good that that could be worked out. I don't know what the terms were, but it's good that that could be worked out for that Miami defense because that would have been a huge hole for them. So good to see a lot of guys are staying put i mean it's always fun to see guys get traded and go other places but especially when these guys are key like that it's good to see guys stay put and get things worked out because when you have a core and a good group going with some momentum like that with the colts with the dolphins with the bills like these are teams that are on the rise right now and you lose a piece like that i think that not only like hurts your you know your personnel obviously with losing great people like that but it hurts hurts that momentum and it hurts that morale you know as soon as guys start getting upset and go I mean, you see it time and time again with a lot of these teams start to start to go on a downhill trend. That that would be just be bad for all these teams if they started seeing like with Deshaun Watson and and with Rodgers a bit too. It's like you start seeing that and and that hurts a lot of your hopes <laughs> for the upcoming season. The Howard deal is interesting. They gave him a big signing, seven million as a signing bonus, uh, thirty nine million guaranteed. His per year doesn't skyrocket, but he does have some additional signing bonuses along the way That's and cool. more incentives. It looks like, but. They they basically gave him a bunch of money and said, "Hey, shut up." <laughs> yeah. So this was a good this is a good deal for Xavier Howard. He talked his way into getting twenty seven million dollars deposited into his bank account yesterday. I Not love bad. these guys getting paid, man. Gets me excited. It really does. Love the contracts, man. This is exciting. And now's the time to get this shit done so you can get into the season without these question marks hanging over. One of the question marks for your guys, Seth. Uh, we're gonna get into our dumbass news. Do we have a dumbass sounder? Can we get a? Um, how about these? Squirrel nuts. Here's our squirrel nuts of the week. We got a couple of folks. Squirrel nuts of the week number one, Kirk Cousins. I definitely don't want to talk a lot about the vaccine stuff, but like Cousins is basically just continues to refuse to get the vaccine. And he basically is just saying, nope, 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 like at every turn. There was a a hospital that was sponsoring him before, basically fired him as a spokesperson for them because we can't have, you know, the spokesperson for the hospital can't be (laughs) anti-vax. And I haven't seen a lot about Cousins' reasoning for this, but he seems to be pretty, like, dead set on just, I'll follow the protocols and everything. Uh, it's not like a fuck you, I'll get sick. It, it, everything I've read says, like, no, I'll, I'll follow the protocols. It's cool. And I have a hard time. I don't know what Cousins' reasons are for not getting it. I think ultimately where I end up, whether this is fair or not, is there's a lot of people depending on him to not get sick. A lot of money riding on whether or not he gets sick. So it seems, to me, very selfish. Again, whether or not that's fair... I, frankly, right now, I don't care. 
he is willing to go through the protocols and all that stuff. I, but you're adding such a huge risk to the team and mm-hmm. this could potentially divide the locker room, you would think. So yeah. I don't know. As a Vikes fan, Seth, I mean, I, not that you already had a bunch of confidence in Kirk Cousins, but like, <laughs> what are you thinking right now? Yeah, it just makes it hard to root for a guy like that because it's it's not even like the him wanting to follow like him saying he'll follow protocols. It's like you're gonna follow protocols whether or not. It's like <laughs> yeah. you don't have a choice to do that, moron. But it's like the stupid comments like put me in a plexiglass box during meetings, and it's like no. How about instead of inconveniencing others, you just fucking take the vaccine as your yep. job says you probably should. And it's not even, again, it's not requiring you to, but honestly, they should because it, you're doing, and we talked, I think we talked about this a bit last week. It's like, th- there are jobs that require you to take vaccines. There are jobs that are, that require you to do things you don't want to do. And if you're going to voluntarily work for that job, like all NFL players do, then you should follow those rules. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you want to inconvenience everyone else, want to inconvenience people and make them sick or What's going to happen this season? Mark my words right now. If he doesn't take the vaccine, mark my words right now. Well, um, August 11th when this drops, he's going to get COVID and miss a game. Multiple games, mm-hmm. probably. Yep. And whether or not the Vikings are on a hot streak at that point or whatever, it's going to cause an issue. Whether it's them go on a losing streak after that or um, maybe he loses his job to the quarterback who comes in and replaces, replaces him because maybe they play really well. I don't know what, what the case may be, but... I, gu- I guarantee you at some point this season, 100%, he's going to get COVID and he's going to miss time. You know, take that with what you will. But it, that even just that in a, alone it's in itself will disrupt the team. So whatever, dude. I mean, keep being a moron. But it does make it hard to, to root for him as, as a whole. Because I know there's there are plenty of people on that team, including Mike Zimmer, who are fucking tired of it and say, just get the fucking vaccine. Especially with Mike Zimmer, who is in his, his I think he's getting close. I know he's in his 70s. I think we've brought up, brought up this before. But he's an older dude, and he's had health problems. Like, you're putting other people at risk now, too. Even though he has the vaccine, like, it's not 100%. Like, if he gets COVID, he could still get really sick from it. So mm-hmm. you're just being selfish for people around you. And if you really just want to be isolated from people, then don't be in the meetings at all. But stay home and do Zoom stuff and practice by yourself and don't play. Like, <laughs> I don't know what else you want. But, yeah, I, I personally, I haven't liked him in a long time. Last year, <laughs> I mean, his comments about if I die, I die. It's like, yeah, that's your choice. But you're also putting other people in danger. And that was at a time without vaccines and treatments mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's not about you. And he's clearly one of the most selfish people in the NFL He's clearly not doing enough to help other people either on the field because the team has not lived up to the expectations that were set when he signed with the team. So, Well, you need your quarterback to be a leader at the end of the day. I guess from, a pers- from someone's perspective, it's not mine, maybe he is being one by doing this, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. You'd be, you'd be, you can't be divisive as a quarterback. That's like the first thing, and he is right now. You know, you talk about everyone's got their reasons for not taking the shot, and fine, sure, they do, but... There's guys in the league who, like, go play and go practice on, like, their anniversary or their kid got born that day or their dad died last night Mm -hmm. or it's a holiday in their religion and they didn't eat that day. There are guys who still show up and do their jobs because they don't want to negatively affect all those other guys and they put those very important things aside. I'm sure Cousins has his reasons. I fucking doubt that they're as important as any of those things I just said. Put your shit in perspective, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if for no other reason than it shows bad leadership, you take the vaccine piece out of it. He's being divisive, and that's not something yep. you can do as a quarterback. He's, he's going to cost the team games one way or another because of this, and mm-hmm. there's nothing he can do about it. Like, you're if you don't have the vaccine, you're you, you're going to get it at some point. I mean, he didn't get it. Like, Kellen Mond, who's the, the guy they drafted it and presumably the backup, was the one who got it when he was held out last week. Cousins didn't get it, and I don't think he's had it yet. So he's going to get it this season. Like, there's no way you're not going to, especially with fans back, if that continues to happen, if they're going to allow fans uh, back still this season with everything going on. He's going to get it one way or another, and he's going to cost his, his team games if he's not there. Because whether or not he's he's an idiot, he's still a pretty good quarterback. He has the stats to, to prove it, I guess. And do I think he's the best quarterback in the league? No, but he's good enough to, to at least make them a, a – an, eight and eight team with the terrible defense they had last year so we'll see I, I still have hope for that team but it's going to be hard to, to root for him to do well when he gets sacked this year I, I can tell you right now I'm not going to feel bad for him when he gets hit <laughs> you might not be the only one they might pull a what longest yard and not block for him who knows <laughs> you brought up something important too and, and they just drafted a quarterback dude you think they, they won't bench you <laughs> right 
you know, get a fucking clue, cousins. Our, our second squirrel nuts of the day. Squirrel nuts! <laughs> is everyone on the New York Giants. Like, Giants being Giants, yet again. I used to say this about the Browns. Losers will always find a way to fucking lose. Like, <laughs> even if everything is in favor of them. And, and the Giants we talked about, they have an interesting roster. They could make some improvements this year. But, you know, they don't have a culture. And they get in this big fucking fight, this big brawl somehow in, in practice. And Daniel Jones ends up somehow in the bottom of it. And a lot of people are talking about like fights happen and it's part of it. And, you know, maybe that means that they're really in it and they're passionate about it. But even if all that's true, it's still a very bad look. And you definitely don't want your quarterback getting stepped on by an <laughs> offensive lineman who's trying to punch another guy. Since this happened, which was about a week ago, Joe Judge, the coach, is now like having to assert himself and like regain control of his guys. He had him like running sprints like they were a high school team as punishment. Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, is complaining with the the media about you you need to call me coach. Which, by the way, I don't know that any coach ever is going to hear this. You are not important. Like the the rest of us who aren't working for you don't fucking care what your position is. <laughs> like my, the regional manager of the bank I work at doesn't go into places that aren't his bank and say I'm the regional manager. You should call me sir. Like <laughs> it is such a fucking uh is so annoying. And, and he's trying to do it because Deion Sanders did it. And Deion's reasons, reason, I think, was different. But Jason Garrett is being a fucking idiot, too. And I kind of think he's trying to posture so that he can get the job he knows Joe Judge is about to evacuate. Anyway, the Giants just culturally being fucking idiots, I guess, is what makes them squirrel nuts number two this week. I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Giants, Seth, besides just what? They suck. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're kind of a mess. Did a lot in the offseason to pay people to come in there but yeah like you said the the culture it seems like a lot of people aren't agreeing with the the coaching staff in general people are retiring after having to do these sprints and things like that so three guys yeah. three guys off your team retired that week what does that say yeah yep exactly so not surprised and last year the the giants and the jets were the 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 bottom two teams at scoring touchdowns in the nfl and i don't know if that'll change this year either even with all the the, the signings and acquisitions so We'll see uh, the Giants with a new coach and probably a new quarterback next year. Yeah, well, they'll have a high draft pick, so maybe it won't be too bad. We'll have two of them because they traded with the Bears for Fields to for them to That's move up right. to get Fields. Well, yeah, both those teams. Ugh, poor Bears. So speaking of guys who are kind of having disagreements, Seth, with their organizations, Michael Thomas, we talked him talked about him a couple weeks ago, got surgery. He's going to miss a pretty good chunk of the season. Sounds like now he's in a spat with his team now, having some we, nasty tweets. We talked a little bit about that. There were some comments made right after that surgery, and a little bit more has come out since then, and I'll just be pretty brief on this because I'm sure we'll talk about this quite a bit throughout the season as well. I think this will... I think this might get kind of nasty between the two teams, honestly, but Michael Thomas tweeted, they tried to damage your reputation. You saved theirs by not telling your side of the story. So essentially it's all come out about him. Like last season, he got hurt week one or two, opted to not have surgery. And basically it was kind of an all in season for them last year. Uh, same thing actually happened with their kicker, Will Lutz. He got hurt early on and decided not to have surgery so he could play the whole season and hopefully win a Super Bowl for Drew Brees the last season. I'm assuming this was something that the, the team probably pushed them to do. And so when the season ended, still banged up and all that stuff, chose not to, chose us to rehab and eventually who knows what happened, but him and Will Lutz, Will Lutz have both had surgeries. Since then, that's when Sean Payton made the comment about like, we wish he would have done it sooner. Wish he would have done it sooner. Basically saying we're not happy with him. And then Michael Thomas replies with that that tweet as well. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes there. And I think it all has to do with last season and Drew Brees, like basically them pushing people to play because of Drew Brees last season. But I don't think Michael Thomas will be a, a saint next year. And I don't know if he plays this year. I could totally see him just not playing, let everything heal up, and then play for a different, te different team next season. I, I think this, this is something that could probably uh, result in a trade or maybe a release or something. I, I don't know how much longer he has on his contract, but he goes somewhere else. He's, you know, he, he, he could get paid a lot of money. Oh, yeah. New Orleans, to me, looks like it's on the decline. I, I'm open to yeah. being wrong about that, but I, it's, it's an organization I'm trying to get out of if I can, and Thomas maybe has a view to that, so not good. Also, fuck Sean Payton. Like, oh, she would have gotten in earlier. Well, then you wouldn't have gone deep in the playoffs last year. So, like, he's mm -hmm. going to get it. He's got to get it. There's no good time. Maybe he means earlier in the offseason so he can come back week five or some shit like that, but I understand, and this maybe goes against what you're just talking about with Cousins and being unselfish, but, like, you're asking a guy to get his body cut open 
maybe not a decision I want my company making for me. You yeah. know, that's it's a little different yeah. than getting a poke. So we shall see. So who do we got? We got uh, Cousins and the Giants are our squirrel nuts of the week. Michael Thomas is sounds like maybe not super stoked on Saints. We'll see what he does next. Josh Allen, Darius Leonard getting fucking paid. And that's what we've got for the headlines this week. And so we turn our attention to the AFC North. I love this division. I've been I've been excited to talk about it. It's one of them that's kind of always pretty competitive. And it kind of feels like this could be a changing of the guard kind of year. So let's dive in. We'll start with the Steelers, who historically have dominated this one. And they won it last year. I think a disappointing end to the season after, what, they went 10-0 and or so. I think it's a surprise to a lot of people. They bring back Ben Roethlisberger to start for the Steelers again when people thought he was looking a little washed at the end of the season. He's uh, talking about his new program and he's losing a bunch of weight. He still <laughs> looks like he still looks like any dad. Like, just, <laughs> I don't know why he thinks he's, he's looking all cut and shit, but let's take a look at what the Steelers made in terms of changes over this last season. They're getting a C-plus grade on their free agency from CBS Sports. They did hold on to Juju Smith-Suster. Everyone thought that he was going elsewhere. He was going to go to a big market and get paid. He stays back on a one-year deal, not even very expensive. Bud Dupree, though, goes elsewhere, as well as Tyson Alualu, Vince Williams, Steven Nelson, and then Marquise Pouncey, who was, for a while, the best center around. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was he was getting older and retires. And Villanueva so, as well. That's right. I think right. he's their left, left tackle or guard. Offensive line, there are question marks along this thing. The skill positions look good. They kept a corner, Cam Sutton. A couple offensive linemen. They kept Marcus Allen, the linebacker, and Chris Wormley, who's one of the defensive ends on there. Not a lot of sexy moves. James Conner exits. I think he's on Arizona now. Yep. But they sign, well, they draft Najee Harris. Uh, He was their top. As we turn our attention to the draft class, uh, they get a B from NFL.com. Najee Harris from Alabama was a top running back taken by Pittsburgh. They get a tight end from Penn State in the second, a couple of offensive linemen, and then a few defensive players in the late rounds. This, to me, is interesting, this offseason for Pittsburgh, because I don't get, I don't know that any of the moves they made look like smart team moves. And I usually think of the Steelers as a smart team, as a smart team that makes smart moves. I don't know any of these that look smart. Bringing back Roethlisberger and not signing a capable backup or Haskins. They brought in Haskins actually. Yeah. I forgot about that. Dwayne Haskins is backup. That was a smart move. He didn't show well in Washington. Sure. But he capable, I would imagine as a backup, they signed Najee Harris, which like signing the first running back in the draft is usually something either a really good team will do or a really <laughs> bad team will do in order to generate excitement. And this seems like the latter. I don't, I like Harris. I don't know if they, what, well, let, let me just ask you, Seth, was this a stretch for Harris I, for no. the Steelers? Like, as the 24th pick, sure. But if you're the Steelers, is is this when you is this when you should have gotten him, given everything else that's going on on this team? Like, it looked to me like they had other needs. They probably had, they, they had other needs, but I, I also, I'd like, I like this a lot. I, I think he's, Harris is the perfect fit for the Steelers. Connor was a good surprise for a little bit, but he really only had one good year, smaller guy, and got hurt all of the time Harris is a guy who is a little bit bigger beefier faster more like if there was any running back to take there it was it 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 was him he's a better receiver out of the backfield he's just an overall better running back and I think the Steelers are a better team when they can rely on a running back and last year they have they were having to rely on a banged up Connor who was in and out Benny Snell Jr. and who I can't remember there's one other guy name's escaping me but he was like a basically a receiver out of the backfield too and like mm-hmm. I, I think that the Steelers have proven that they're just a better team when they, when they have a reliable running back and I think Najee Harris is it will add a spark to that offense that was the thing they were missing last year they relied too much on Ben last year and they you know they started 12 and 0 especially like halfway through their winning streak teams were starting to figure out that offense and realize like hey we don't really have to defend the run so uh, I, I think this year teams are going to have to respect that offense a little bit more. Offensive line is still bad. They they did sign a replacement for Villanueva. He's a veteran, and I, the name's escaping me. Even so, I think that's that's going to be the one thing is Harris is going to have to work really hard to to compensate there. But that the, out of the, all the moves the Steelers made, that's the one that I actually really like for them. You make an interesting point. Getting getting some of the load off of Ben, I think it's a reasonable motivation for that move. So I, I don't hate that. Don't forget, Steelers still have a really top-notch and young and fast wide receiving core. So they do need to throw it. They got dudes out there. They got Ebron at tight end who showed well last year. The offensive line is such a question mark. 
if it's bad, it doesn't matter what any of these other guys do. <laughs> yeah. uh, the defense should be good, except TJ Watt, who some people, again, people who are idiots, thought he should have been the defensive <laughs> player of the year last year. He has not been practicing for the last couple of weeks because he's working on contract talks. In a world where like Josh Allen is getting signed two years early, I don't know how you can't come to terms with TJ Watt right now. Yeah. Like he is making a huge difference on that team. Completely turned. They were laughable on defense before he comes in and some of these other guys. Yeah. Can't get it done. It's looking like a potential holdout. He's not practiced yet. The coach said that he's not he's not practicing. Uh, Tomlin said in a press conference he's, the reason he's not practicing is because of contracts. And this happened with Aaron Donald a couple of years ago. He held out. They got the deal done like right before week one and he played. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's what's going to happen here or not. But you got to think this is the top priority for them right now. This seems like a must get like before they start the season. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a difference maker out there. I mean, that, that's, that, that's big. It's just hard to, to, it's really hard right now. And again, we've talked about it. Like this is not the year to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Do it next year. <laughs> so I'm kind of on the other side of like TJ Watt being like, dude, chill. Like next year, you know what you can do next year, or the year after, if you hold out, like this year is not the year to be doing it, but you know, it is what it is. He's still on his rookie contract, so the rules say how much he can get paid, but that's a guy mm-hmm. who's definitely getting underpaid based on performance. So yeah. we'll see what happens with TJ Watt, but that's a big uh, big question mark for Pittsburgh right now. Let's take a look here at the odds, see if he can make some money off of the Steelers. Plus 4,400 on the Super Bowl bet. Uh, I don't think you're taking that unless you live in Pittsburgh. Uh, no, I, yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in that team in a really good AFC this year to go that yep. deep. I really don't. The bet to win the division for them. I think that their offense does play better this year which it played pretty well until the last half of the season last year, but it was a new system for Ben. He also was coming, he was coming off shoulder elbow surgery the year before. And so I think it'll be interesting to see if this is like the last little bit they can squeeze out of Ben to make that off, you know, see how that offense goes. But I mean, like you said, with TJ Watt, if that, if he's missing, that defense is going to be rough. And so he, Ben will have to play like 2015 Ben instead of, you know, (laughs) how he, how he played last year. Yeah, they're going to need some offense, and we'll get to our official picks. I'm not going to take them to win this division. Uh, no. Over-under is interesting here. Regular season wins, eight and a half wins. You can get even money, plus 100 on the over, and mm. it's minus 120 on the under. I don't have a lot of faith in Pittsburgh, but nine wins doesn't seem like that much of a stretch no, for this really team. No, it really doesn't. They will, they will have a first-place schedule. I don't, maybe Vegas knows something that we don't quite yet. What I would say, too, is if you would like to bet the over, do it now before they sign yeah. TJ Watt. He's worth a game. So this will get tougher. I kind of like the over here. As much as I'm not a fan of Pittsburgh right now, this seems reasonable to ask them to get nine for you. I'd lean that way too, especially off the the money you're getting. But I I wouldn't feel confident about doing it because the offensive line is a huge question mark. And while there still might be production out of Najee Najee Harris, Ben is 40 near and 40 and he's not going to be able to escape any like he he doesn't shed tackles like he used to like he's going to go down you know if Ben can't get these throws out deep to Chase Claypool or you know Juju or Deontay Johnson it's like that's that's going to be rough for this offense so it's it's hard not having having a very suspect offensive line takes a lot of your win potential out the two most important players on your roster are 40 and holding out Mm-hmm. And that's not a good look for Pittsburgh. But if they can get them, if they can get those guys straight, nine wins seems achievable. So we like the over, cautiously like the over on Pittsburgh. Show yeah. me the money! For fantasy, real quick, I, I've talked about it already, you know, a lot, but I love Najee Harris for fantasy this year. Um, yeah. I think he is the surest running back past like your top six. So if you're looking from your top six, maybe even top five down to he's going. I think around like running back 15 or so in a lot of drafts in that area. I think he's the surest bet to, to live up to that and probably exceed expectations because of how much work he's going to get running the ball. And also he's going to, he's going to catch a lot of balls this year, especially if they, if, but Ben has to dump it down when he's getting pressure. Najee Harris is going to get a lot of attention. He's going to get a lot of, he'll, he'll probably have 25 to 30 touches a game overall. I I think he's going to be a steal in fantasy this year. There you go. So that's calling a shot for fantasy. Najee Harris, I agree with you for all those reasons. I mean, every Pittsburgh starting running back is is valuable just because mm-hmm. of the way they run that offense. So that's a guy that could win your league from the running back two position. So watch out for Najee Harris. We're going to switch gears here to Baltimore. The Ravens had, they had a really challenging season last year. They had some COVID shit. They had a bunch of games rescheduled. They get past the Titans finally. Couldn't get past the Chiefs in the playoffs. 
it's, it's so funny. I so rarely look at the Ravens, but they had Jihad Ward and Yannick Ngakwe, as well as Matthew Judon and Matt Skura, who was their center, are all gone. So it was a few linebackers in their center. They bring in Pernell McPhee, who was potentially going to be exiting. They also retain Derek Wolf. I don't know any of these guys' fucking names. Uh, yeah, Zietler, the offensive guard. They bring him in. He's one uh, of the best in the league. CBS likes them a lot. So yeah. the Ravens with a good offensive line is like a must. This team doesn't yep. work uh, without a good offensive line. Uh, it yep. looks like they were shooting for Galladay. Couldn't get him in there. And so their wide receiving core hasn't changed. Marquise Brown looks like he's still going to be the top guy. They also drafted a guy, Rashad Bateman. Yes, yes Bateman from Minnesota. He's their first rounder. Yeah, he is. He's really good. He's he got banged up in practice, but I think he's if they if they had a quarterback who liked to sl- to sling it, they'd have actually one of the better receiving cores in the NFL between him, Sammy Watkins, and Marquise Brown. Sammy Watkins maybe will put on a purple jersey this year if he's not hurt all the fucking time. <laughs> you can tell I've owned Sammy Watkins in fantasy before. <laughs> yeah, Bateman they get an edge rusher from Penn State, offensive guard they get a uh, cornerback in the third, so pretty balanced draft. Oh, look at this, too. They signed uh, Villanueva from Villanueva, Pittsburgh. Yep. I yep. missed that one. And so they do have uh, Orlando Brown, no, they who is a right tackle. The, they traded yeah, him he to, goes the, to the Chiefs. The Chiefs, right? Yeah, so that was a big mm-hmm. loss. He's he's a good fucking player. Baltimore's interesting. Well, <laughs> let's not get into Lamar Jackson, who also, I think, doesn't want the vaccine. But he's going into a contract year. I honestly don't know what to think of Baltimore. I, I pay so little attention to their, their personnel. Uh, but to me, it's like... Typically, they go as Lamar Jackson does. So you really mm-hmm. just have to pay attention to him. I don't know. What Do you know more about Baltimore than me? I, I'm kind of in the dark on them. No, I, I mean, I think they'll be pretty similar this year. I think they'll be a playoff team. I think they're going to run the same style of football like they have, run the ball a lot. J.K. Dobbins is going to presumably have at least the lion's share of the run, the the running attempts this year. They resigned Gus Edwards to a decent deal as well. So they, you know, they have the the split backfield with a couple of bruisers. Yeah, the receiving core, like I said, is really good. But I mean, they could throw they could throw Tyree Kill and DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf and like I mean, name every All Star Devonte Adams. They could throw every receiver on that that core, and it's not going to matter because they don't throw it. So. I don't know. It seemed like they reverted last year, even like it seemed like mm-hmm. the year before when Jackson won the MVP were actually they were throwing it and running it and like kind of gave defenses a, a little bit of a like, what the hell's going on here? And I don't know if teams figured them out or if they just re- reverted back to running a lot. But it seems like they lost a little bit of that spark. I don't know. I don't think Rashad Bateman or Sammy Watkins is going to really change a whole lot of that. They're good players, but I really don't think that those guys are going to make Lamar Jackson throw it more you know <laughs> so we'll see about I, I think they'll be a pretty similar team on there uh, the defense lost some pieces but they're still going to be a, a fantastic defense they have some of the best corners in the league and they're going to be able to create a pass rush and not let people run on them so they'll be pretty I think they'll be pretty similar right, to what they were last year I don't think they're going to move a whole lot either way the microscope is going to be on Lamar Jackson you know especially after the Josh Allen contract you know mm-hmm. they're going to be looking at whether or not it's time to pay him he's going to need to show I think like measurable improvement throwing you know, yeah. you can you can only win so much with a running quarterback, and I have not been super impressed with his arm. I'm not saying he can't do it. Maybe it's a matter of won't. I don't know, but yeah. he need, he's going to need to hit a couple signature throws this year if he wants to get paid like he wants to get paid. Otherwise, yep. fuck, I can hire a running back and put him under center too. You know, and that's <laughs> the thing about Lamar Jackson though is like when he's running the ball, what he can do out there in open space is unreal. Like mm-hmm. it's he. It looks like he's running. Like it looks like he's he's like a man amongst boys sometimes it's the way he's running around people and just running past people like th- that playoff game last year it just like he was he was behind the line of skirt i remember there's one run he's behind the line of scrimmage and then 10 seconds later he's in the end zone it's like what the hell happened like how did he how did no one catch him but he's just zooming past people so mm-hmm. that that's the you know that's the difference the difference with him but like we saw with cam newton like we see with a lot of these these running quarterbacks it's like once those legs start to go just a little bit, you have to rely on the arm more. Lamar Jackson showed signs of being able to do that two years ago, but whatever happened last year, I, it just it makes me nervous. I, I think the Ravens are smart in not signing him just yet because they might want to see what they get out of him this year. He's also now had COVID twice. Who knows how much of a toll, certainly last year, I'm sure it took a toll. Who knows how much going into this season, his second round with it will will mm-hmm. take. But yeah, and and I like the running. I like he absolutely. Yeah, he's he's Mike Vick maybe plus. And mm-hmm. but it you know you can't win every you can't beat 
the Cleveland by 40 points every week. At some point, especially when you get into playoff football, you're going to have to hit like a deep out on the money with an all-star corner on your guy. And if you can't do that, you'll lose those games. And so if they want to win the Super Bowl, Jackson's going to have to show that he can do that stuff too. Uh, you can't mm-hmm. always run it in the two-minute drill or whatever. So going to be interesting here. Let's take a look at Baltimore here. Their odds to win the Super Bowl. They're actually the fifth highest odds. So they're at plus 1,400. Hey. So they're right behind Green Bay. I don't like this at all, Seth. Maybe no. I just don't watch enough Ravens, but I don't. I certainly don't have that much belief in them. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I, I think that they probably lost too much on the defense to for me to keep them that high. Over-under set at 11 games on the season. Uh, you get plus 100 if they go over 11. So if they get to 12 wins, it's a really competitive division. And yeah. nothing about their nothing about their transactions or Lamar Jackson's development makes me think they're better than they were last season. I don't like that at all. I'm maybe not going to bet it because it's minus 120 on the under. But like, yeah. I think they're more likely to go under than to get to 12 wins, certainly in that division. I would personally say I, I would bet them to get the over, but right at, like, honestly, if you would have said, I think I've said this for maybe a couple teams, but if you would have said, like, what do you think their record is at the end of the season? I would have said 11 and six. That, that I think that's perfect. I, honestly, I, you know, they, they have, they have a, a really, really talented football team, but just some question marks around that football team. And, you know, I, I think they can afford to lose six or seven games, still make the playoffs and be a really good team. But, 11 wins is it's right at the dot for me but I would go mm-hmm. over if I were to bet I could see them winning 12 or 13 I could see it it'd be impressive that that would mean that they got you know some improvement out of Jackson so it could be interesting if you think that they're going all the way uh, a little bit of money to be made on them if you're a Jackson believer so go ahead and bet that oh, over I agree with you Seth he whatever it, I don't know what he needs to show me but I have it I don't have it right now let's take a look at Cleveland Cleveland is an interesting one for me because Seth I think Everyone who watches football agrees this is an awesome roster. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, let's start by taking a look at kind of who they who they added here. Their draft class was ranked fourth. They got Greg oh, Newsom, really who was the corner out of Northwestern, one of the really good corners. There was a pretty stacked first round for corners, and he was one of the tough ones. I think that this draft to me looks like it doesn't look like a Cleveland draft. It looks like <laughs> a smart team draft. They get Newsom <laughs> in the first. They get a linebacker in the second from Notre Dame. They get a wide receiver, but not until the third round. They get a couple offensive and defensive linemen, some non-sexy late-round picks. When it comes to free agency, that's kind of where they made their money. My favorite signing of theirs, and CBSSports.com agrees, John Johnson, who was the safety last year for the Rams. Mm -hmm. Excellent fucking player, big character guy. He'll probably call the plays back there, I believe. They also signed Troy Hill, who was a former Ram uh, and a really good player. So the defensive and secondary, which Clowney was a problem, well. they get Clowney uh, to, to rush the passer. So their their defensive secondary and just pass defense in general was bad. How do you fix it? Get guys who can guard and get guys who can rush. They mm-hmm. they they really specifically addressed those two needs. They still got some, some really talented players on, on the back end of that defense that were they had really good players and shit players last year, and now they've got really solid players basically all around. They didn't make any big splash sexy moves, and that's what I mean. They they, they made moves that aren't Browns moves. So I think— They didn't really need to make a lot of sexy moves either, though. <laughs> There's not a right. lot of holes. Yeah, uh, and this was a team that, that performed really well last year. Certainly getting the win over Pittsburgh in the playoffs was huge for Cleveland. Definitely huge for Baker, who's, again, he's watching uh, Josh Allen's— checkbook right now i we we've said this i think maybe already over the course of the summer this is a team that's ready to win and ready to really compete mm-hmm. um do i put them on do i put them up there with my chargers no but <laughs> if baker mayfield can play at a average or better level which he did team looks like a the very season. and he did he played very well when they were leaning on him in the absence of nick chubb he even played well yeah so i don't want to get too carried away because it's cleveland and cleveland historically always figures out how to lose this team, I, if you can assume Baker's going to be decent, looks like an honest-to-God threat in the AFC, and I never thought I'd say it. Yep. I uh, I really like Cleveland a lot this year. And you mentioned the moves they're making and how they're looking smart. I put that all on Kevin Stefanski, former Vikings offensive coordinator. <laughs> of <course>. um, <laughs> but I, he – I mean, you ask anyone around the league, like, you know, in terms of the, the coaches and, and that type of thing, like people in interviews, I've – only heard people say good things about him when I was seeing him coach the Vikings that was when they went to the NFC championship game he's taking the same philosophy that he had there and applying it to the Browns 
two running backs who are excellent, running the ball a lot, a ton of play action. Baker Mayfield is 100 times better than Case Keenum. And mm-hmm. I don't think Baker Mayfield is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL by any means, but he's still a lot better than Case Keenum was when, when uh, Kevin Stefanski was making him look like a, a pro bowler. So I like this team a lot. I see so much here that leads me to believe this team could be, like you said, a contender. A really good defense. I hope to see Clowney like revive his career with with Cleveland and and live up to some of that first round picks uh, status that he had. Like you said, uh, Johnson was a great great signing as well. They have in the uh, with the wide receiver receiving core Landry and Rashard Higgins came on really really strong at the end at the end of last year. Odell Beckham will hopefully be healthy and back this year. If he can finally figure it out with Baker and Cleveland, break the top off the, the defense and, and add that speed and the, the amazing catches that he, he's known to do. It's been years since he's done that, but you know, I, I, there's anyone that can do it. It's him. He's still not too terribly old. Plus they have uh, David Njoku and uh, who's that other, the tight end? Hooper, Austin Hooper. Hooper, Austin Hooper, yep. The offense, the offensive line is pretty good. I would feel bad for Joe Thomas, who... His entire career in Cleveland, they never had a team that won anything, and now they make the playoffs like a couple years after retire. So it kind of sucks for him, but the offensive line is still very good. I like Cleveland a lot, man. If Baker Mayfield isn't relied upon to do too much, if he's just if he needs to hit the play, hit hit the passes that uh, are available to him on play action, and he doesn't have to win the game solely on his back most weeks, this team could could cause a lot of damage. They're they're set up to to really do well, I think, this season. Browns fans are going to have a lot of fun. They're, they're, they'll get some primetime games. They'll get to pack the house, mm-hmm. do their dog stuff. Gosh, I mean, you look in the you look at this skill position. Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, Austin Hooper, or David Njoku. That's a hard fucking group of guys to defend. That's a tough yeah. skill position set. Their defense is studs. Miles Garrett, don't forget about that fucking yeah, guy. Yeah, Miles and Garrett. If, if Clowney is any good, Scary. then Garrett's going to have a feast. Garrett had COVID last year, um, and he is a guy that talked about like he didn't, fully recover from it mm-hmm. by the end of the season so he's healthy he's a scary scary individual with Jadavion Clowney Clowney's a guy too that if he's not getting sacks he is the best run-stopping defensive end in the league and so mm-hmm. just statistically so if they can stop the run they can get some pressure and uh, now hopefully be able to stop some of the bleeding in the passing game they're gonna be tough I don't want to put bad juju out there but you mentioned Stefanski and that uh, NFC Championship Vikings team from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Guess who the backup quarterback is for the Browns right now? Case Keenum, baby. It's Let's Case go. Keenum, baby. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> oh, man, that would be wild. How optimistic uh, is Vegas about the Browns? Plus 1,600. To give you a point of reference, the Rams are plus 1,500. So the Browns Actually, are the next team behind them in their I don't Super hate Bowl that. odds. I don't it kind of feels like it's in that spot right where it's like <laughs> yep. just enough of a payout and just likely enough yeah I could see it I mean if I'm a Browns fan I'm putting the mortgage on them right now but <laughs> people outside of Cleveland should give that one a good look I would go go quick if you can look at the division winner what's the odds for that Cleveland as the division winner plus 155 are the odds yeah it's plus money I I think that I think they will win the division I really do I feel very confident about them winning, winning the division that's one I would put put money on I like that one, too. It's not a lot of money. Not a lot, but you, you feel confident about it. So mm-hmm. I like that. Pittsburgh, by the way, plus 440 is the the, the division. Mm. So Vegas doesn't like them either. I might, I might, I don't like Pittsburgh either, but shit, at those odds. Let's take a look at the win total for the Cleveland Browns. See, and, and this and is half. this is where it gets tough. It's 10 and a half games. You're nice. getting minus, minus 105 on the over. So Vegas loves the Browns. And it's it's minus 115 on the under. So it's it's a tight margin. I don't like the odds on either side of this. I would say just because I, it's Cleveland, the number feels maybe a game high. But you're pretty optimistic, Seth. You think they're getting to I 11? I think they I think they win because tough. I said like I could see the the Ravens winning. I could see the Ravens winning 13 games, but I if I if I were to put money on it, I would I think the Browns will win 13 13 or more games. Wow. Big I, big, I uh, like them a lot. We got a big Browns believer in the house and I I don't even I don't think you're being dumb. I'm only, if this roster was wearing any other jersey, I would be right there with you. But it's just, I just can't get over the Cleveland of it all. Every time I've gotten excited for Cleveland, I fuck it up. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But Baker and the guys I might just, be able to get you money if they can get to that 11th win. Second year in the Stefanski system, hopefully a full full year of health with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. And that's the thing, is one of, if one of them goes down, like the other can do the job. 
mm-hmm. and that's that's why that that's why Baker didn't fail last year and t- like they weren't great during that stretch, but that's why he didn't fail last year. He he always no matter what is going to have hopefully have a really good, very talented running back behind him, and he's not going to have to do it all himself. Yes, he, they're going to play better when both are behind. You know, both are in the lineup, but. This team is they're gonna run the football, play good defense and, and play action. Stefanski's system is is proven to, to work, I think. I really like him a lot. I really do. I think I think they're gonna be a top like three or so seed in the AFC. I love it, man. I love it. Sess all over the Browns. Uh, take everything you got. Put it on the Browns to win the Super Bowl to get the over and the division. You're going to be fucking rich. You and Baker Mayfield will be rich uh, if yeah. all that happens. Holy cow. Chugging uh, beers together at the Indians, or no, the uh, Guardians games. There you go. There you go. The Guardians, of course, they're in Cleveland. Exciting year for the Browns. Uh, I'm excited for their fans to get to enjoy this. So it should be should be very fun for them. Let's take a look we'll at also. on this last one. <laughs> yeah. We'll go quick on, on Cincinnati. Cincinnati interests me, but not because I think they'll be good. I think... We are going into year two of the Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow era. Uh, Joe Burrow. They've Joe got, Burrow. who's the cat that's coaching them? Zach, Zach Taylor. Stacey. Zach, no, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Zach Stacey was a Rams running back. Yeah. Zach Taylor, former assistant coach under McVay for the Rams, one of the young coaches. They go into the second year of Joe Burrow. Draft day, everyone is like, you must take Penny Sewell, the best tackle in the draft to protect Joe Burrow, who you've invested so much in. He is right there at number five. You don't have to trade up. The perfect pick for you is right there, Cincinnati. And they must have gotten the Browns draft guide somehow. (laughs) And they take Jamar Chase at number five. I hated this pick. I understand he played with Burrow in at LSU. There's a he's a great wide receiver. No one's denying that. There's rapport there. I look at this just like the ETN pick for the Jaguars. Like, sure, they're friends, but like, you have needs. I with with Penny Sewell out there, I did not like the Jamar Chase pick. Did you? Penny Sewell was the the clear and obvious choice. I think ultimately Jamar Chase was the best receiver out there by you know, I think by far. Like he you look at what Je- Justin Jefferson did last year with the Vikings, and he was second fiddle to Jamar to Jamar Chase at LSU. So, I mean, if that tells anything about what his talent is, I think Jamar Chase is going to be awesome, just like A.J. Green was um, with with the Bengals. And I think ultimately Joe Burrow is going to be awesome too. But I think they delayed their success, potential success, by a couple years because of this. They they, they really needed to, to, to get some protection for Burrow, especially after what happened. And now from reports coming out of camp that he is nervous to get hit again. He, he's come out and said it too in an interview. Like he's... He's a little scared, right? He's a little trepidatious right now in practice with people coming at him, and then that's only going to get worse once he gets at game time. That's not something – what uh, Darnold said he was seeing ghosts, and that's not something you can have your quarterback doing, especially a young guy that you've invested a lot in. So hopefully they can protect Burrow. This is a team that's interesting because it's young. I, I love the – you know, you look at Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Uh, that's a young, good, wide-receiving yeah. core. One of the best uh, in the league. Yeah, they're really tough. And so if Burrow can get two seconds to throw it, you know, they'll they'll have some offensive success. The defense looks like trash. Yeah. Uh, bad. They're starting Trey Waynes, who was like <laughs> they paid him to leave the Vikings, I think. When it wanes it pours. <laughs> Trey Waynes is a, a poorly functioning umbrella. He's gonna let a lot through. Oh, uh, the Vikings so, also Bengals also decided decided to sign a Vikings reject in Riley Reef. So instead of drafting Penny Sewell, who is probably a generational left tackle, they went ahead and signed Riley Reef, who was good in 2012. So <laughs> it could be a tough year for Cincinnati, but I do think they'll improve. I, I hope so. If Burrow can take a step and stay healthy, know. plus 12,000 on the Super Bowl odds. <laughs> if you're feeling if you're feeling froggy, sprinkle um, a dollar on that one. Yeah, there you go. Put a dollar on that one. You can win a little bit. In terms of win totals here, we look at Cincinnati. And it's over under 6.5. The over, you're getting plus 100. The under, you're getting minus 120. That Cincinnati getting to seven wins. If they got to seven wins, I feel like that's really positive for Cincinnati. I don't know if I see it. I think think I'd have to set their game. If this was five and a half, I'd say yes, six. I don't think you can get me to pay this over, even at even money. Uh I just don't. Not in that division, like you said. I I think they lose six in that division. Like, you know, even with the Steelers kind of, you know, probably on a down year or down a little bit further than they were last year, they don't think they, I don't think they win a single division game. And yeah, they have a fourth place schedule, but 
boy, oh boy, I if, if Burrow takes a year to get comfortable again, and the offensive line is bad, and I think they're I think they're two to three years off from getting better. I like Burrow a lot. I I think Burrow is one of the most talented quarterbacks that that we've seen, and he his success translated immediately to the NFL. He was playing really well last year, mm-hmm. and they asked yep. him to do a lot. He threw the most passes in the league out of anyone up until he got hurt by a lot, and that's because their team is so bad. I like Burrow. I think he's going to ultimately be a lot better than what Andy, Andy Dalton was in in Cincinnati. That being said, if he can't, if he doesn't have protection and he's going to get hit, he's not going to be comfortable and he's not going to play well. So they, they're still a couple years away, if at least two to three years. Cincinnati, see if they can move the ball forward. Uh, probably a nice draft pick for them in store at the end of the season. So not a lot of money to be made on Cincy, but if you're if you live in Cincinnati, you know, put the mortgage on him, get plus eighteen thousand. <laughs> You could go buy a penny sewer for him. <laughs> right. Seth, for me, give me Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals in that order here in the AFC North this year. 100% with you right there. <laughs> Boom. I, I got a feeling that we're, it's not, a, I don't think we will be wrong about the Ravens, but I could see it. Like if we're wrong, it's on the Ravens. You know, maybe they're going to win 14 games. I don't know, but we'll I, see. I just, I have this feeling about the Browns. I never do. I like you. I think the Browns are always bad. But I just have a feeling with them, like they're, they've 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 shifted, and it's maybe it's because of my love of Stefanski and seeing how you know seeing him seeing him succeed, just like when Tomlin left Minnesota, like that's made me happy, and I kind of root for them. But I don't know, I I just think he's I think he's an excellent head coach, and he's changed the the mentality of that team immediately from being there. And another year in that system, first full year, first full off season, I think the Browns are going to do really well. If Stefanski can make a career out of going to terrible weather, 0% attractive uh, markets and taking hey. mediocre teams deep into the playoffs, he's going to have a nice NFL head coaching career. Uh, so I'm rooting for Stefanski <laughs> here too. And weirdly enough, I'm rooting for Baker. I don't love Baker. I, I kind of want, want every analyst to be wrong about Baker. And myself included, by the way. I've never been a Baker in, in, a fan, but I kind of like when a guy proves everyone wrong. That could be, that could be fun. So there's your AFC North fascinating division, obviously, because we spent a shitload of time on it. But uh, <laughs> let's wrap up the bathroom reading right there. Sitting on the toilet. Now flush. And we'll give you a real quick one more thing before we get y'all out of here. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. We're going to share a one more thing this week. It's the Hall of Fame. We had the Hall of Fame game last week, first preseason game. So we're back in it now. Big Hall of Fame class because they put in the guys from last year too, which was which was pretty exciting. I'll just give a quick shout out. Isaac Bruce, one of my favorite players when I was a kid, all-time Ram legend. I cannot wait for them to, I'm sure they will do something at the home opener to honor him and the whole crowd will do the Bruce, which I'm very excited for. Seth, a lot of, a lot of other big name guys, Peyton Manning, of course, kind of headlining, but it was, it was a good group and you caught some of the speeches. Yeah, I caught quite a few of them. Um, I think the obvious one that was going to be good was Peyton Manning and it was like he's... He did a whole fucking stand-up routine up there, so I just love Peyton Manning. I, I was always a Manning over Brady guy for the longest time until, obviously, Brady has played years. Also, it's fucking insane that it's been five years since Peyton Manning's retired. Uh, yeah. That makes me feel old. But he had a great speech. Uh, I really liked Charles Woodson's speech. He closed out everything. He was just very... He was, emo- he was like, crying the entire time, and, like, his mom inducted him, and it was just really nice. Um trying to think jimmy johnson's was really good uh you know there was a whole thing with him and jerry jones over all these years they've kind of squashed some beef so that was cool some really really great speeches uh it's always cool to see those i definitely got emotional watching some of them steve hutchinson former viking that was a good one him him just thinking all the players and and you know he he was he was uh the vikings uh, left guard for a lot of the peterson times which are some of my favorite times as a vikings fan so uh, it was nice seeing him get inducted and really quick, next year's uh, Hall of Fame class eligibles. Get ready to feel old. Demarcus Ware, Steve Smith Sr., Andre Johnson, Robert Mathis, Anquan Bolden, Devin Hester, and Vince Wilfork. So, Devin, uh, Steve Smith? Steve Smith's yeah. the one I can't believe. Because I, I can picture him on, I swear to God, he got a touchdown last year. <laughs> Fuck, man. Andre Johnson was, uh, was a, a baller on my fantasy team actually the year that it was the first year I ever played fantasy. I had Andre, jo- uh, Andre Johnson on my team, along with Demar- Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas, yeah. Those two yep. dominated the league for me that year, so that was fun. Andre Johnson, yeah. famous, of course, most famous for losing a fist fight with Cortland Finnegan. The <laughs> Whatever. A handful of years ago. So, uh, shouts out to him. Maybe lose. they'll show his clip. He did. Uh, he did. Cortland Finnegan was giving him the old. 
<laughs> and Andre Johnson was going, oh, Mommy. Uh, pull the tape. All. Pull the tape. It's true. You know it. <laughs> no. I even got a Cortland Finnegan jersey after that. I love it, man. So shout out to the Hall of Famers. Love the Hall of Fame. Uh, I love when those guys get emotional about their career. Comp- I think it's amazing. It makes me, chokes me up every single fucking time. So shouts out to the Hall of Famers and we'll keep an eye out for who comes in next year as well. Hall of Fames are one more thing this week. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right, folks, we get closer and closer to the start of the season. We're going to come back next and talk about the best division in football by a long shot, the NFC West. Come ready for some hyperbole on that episode and come ready to make some fucking money because I'm going to tell you how the Rams are going to make you rich. Uh, (laughs) We got a couple more of these previews left and then we're going to roll you right into the start of the NFL season. Don't forget the website, sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Hit us up with a comment on this episode. Let us know if you want to play in a fantasy league around the show and keep on coming back. We're rolling, rolling right into the new year with our current schedule here and like I said, we'll be back next week to pick the Super Bowl champs out of the NFC West. And don't forget Friday, Entertainment Outhouse, next Monday, Socially Constipated as well. All good things going on here. And we'll wrap the show up right there. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a fun weekend. Don't forget the Outhouse. For Seth Ott, I've been Cody Michael. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.